This is 680-CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, I'll tell you about a pair of winter murder mystery television shows. One of them from Canada, one of them from Iceland. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I saw a bunch of movies this week. We'll talk Oscar nominees, hidden figures, and fences, and no chance in a hell at an Oscar. Triple X, the return of Xander Cage. Speaking of Oscars, there's a big Oscar nominee arriving at home this week. First, it's the news from the couch. I can't sleep at night. I have nightmares. I wish this were simple. She can't handle this. It's going to get worse. They're kicking us while we're down. They're not going to stop. The trailer for the upcoming season of The Americans has been released. The trailer fills the screen with quotes about how The Americans is the best show on TV right now, according to the critics, and it really is. The FX show follows the adventures of Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese, a pair of rushing KGB agents pretending to be Americans living in Washington during the 80s-era Cold War. And their daughter Paige, whom they had only had to per- they only had to begin with to perpetuate their lie that they're an all-American family, has been stumbling into the real family business for the last couple of years. The world seems so messy right now. There are things we can show you. Their handlers are back as well, played by Frank Langella and Margot Martindale. Nothing scares those two. Everything scares those two. And it comes out next month. The Americans premieres Tuesday, March 7th on FX. And FX Canada. If you've never seen it and you like your shows to put you in a heart attack inducing level of anxiety, I highly recommend catching up on The Americans before then. You have to be willing to do anything to protect yourself. I am a believer in the perfectibility of human beings. At the circle, we can finally realize our potential. When we are our best selves, there isn't a problem that we cannot solve. We can cure any disease and we can end hunger. Imagine the human rights implications. The possibilities are endless. That's actor Tom Hanks. You may have seen him some years ago in movies like Turner and Hooch. The yes! Burbs and Punchline. The Burbs! <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. He's giving an inspirational speech to his employees at The Circle in the new trailer for the upcoming movie, The Circle. The Circle is a gigantic tech company of some kind. It's like the Grizzle Company in Parks and Recreation. They do everything and are everywhere, and the world would collapse without them because they've taken over every facet of your life. And Emma Watson, who played the girl with the name I can't pronounce in the Harry Potter movies, gets a job working there. You got the job at the circle. Have a drink, have a good time, and stay excited. You're at the circle. Hello, May. How are you? Jared here. I'll be doing your training. When I first started, it took me a few weeks to really get the hang of it. Believe me, you're doing fine. Is she really? Your work's been exemplary, strong ratings, but your absence at several events. Sorry, my dad had an episode and I was home helping out. Is that related to his MS? I've been looking into your parents' situation and I have an idea. So I was thinking it would make sense for May's folks to come on the Circle Health Plan. I want to say how much I value what you've done for my family. May, you're a valued part of the Circle. We care about everybody you care about. May's only been with us for a few months, but she has made quite an impression. Well, that is some unsettling invasion of her privacy from her bosses, and it looks like they're just getting started. 
So May, do you think you behave better or worse when you are being watched? We have cameras in place all over the world right now. Watching you. We used to go on adventures. We used to have fun and see things. And now it's all filtered through this. Does this really seem okay to you? Watching you. I didn't create this. This is not what I had in mind. Watching you. Things at the circle, they need to change. Everything recorded, seen, broadcast, restored, and analyzed here. They can use it however they see fit. So it's a paranoid Orwellian thriller about Big Brother, and Tom Hanks is the bad guy. He doesn't play bad guys enough. The movie also stars John Boyega of Star Wars fame, Patton Oswalt of comedy fame, and Bill Paxton of sucking fame. The Circle comes out April 28th. Knowing is good, but knowing everything is better. So, mate, is there anything you want to tell us? Hi, I'm Danny Rand. I've uh, been away a long time. Let's go, you don't belong here. I'm Danny Rand. Guys, I just want to talk. He beat those guys up. The final Defender has arrived in the first full trailer for the Netflix Marvel series, Iron Fist. I left here 10 years old in a jet with my parents. I became the lone survivor. Danny Rand, back from the dead. Why has he waited this long to show up? How the hell did he learn martial arts? Iron Fist is the fourth Netflix series in the dark and violent corner they've carved out for themselves in the Marvel Cinematic Universe following Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. Iron Fist stars Finn Jones. That's a name you might not recognize, but if you watch Game of Thrones, then you will know him as Loras Tyrell. In this, he is Danny Rand. Danny, what happened to you? Why are you really back here? Some bad people have gotten on the inside. Criminals. I know what they are, what they can do. To fight them, we need someone with special skills. I've been training my whole life for this. This is my destiny. Rosario Dawson was in that clip, by the way. She is the one constant in all four of these series so far. I will be honest with you, I don't know anything about Iron Fist, other than he's been away from home for a number of years, has returned with martial arts skills, and his hand glows yellow before he punches things really hard. The change is coming, Danny. Become what you were meant to be. I also know that Iron Fist will join forces with Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage to form The Defenders in a miniseries to come later this year on Netflix. Before that, though, the 13-episode first season of Iron Fist arrives St. Patrick's Day, Friday, March 17th. I am the Iron Fist. The hell does that mean? We've had out the release dates for a pair of our other favorite Netflix shows this week, including one of my faves, Orange is the New Black. I think I pissed off the prison. I will find you! I 
didn't mean for us to get this bad. Oh my God! They hate me, I hate them. Our relationship is simple. Do you know the difference between pain and suffering? Pain is always there. But suffering is a choice. I'm really tired of walking around like a dog. Orange was originally billed and won awards as a comedy when it came out four years ago, but last season it got darker and by the end Litchfield Prison was primed to explode. We'll find out what happens June 9th, that's when season 5 plops on Netflix. The one thing producers have told us about the upcoming season, it'll all unfold over three days, which makes sense given where things were last season. Still, it can be a dicey move to put all your eggs in one basket like that. It has worked to varying degrees on other shows to have whole seasons condensed into one or two or three days. But I have faith in the Orange is the New Black folks again. Season 5 comes out June 9th. And mark your calendars fittingly for Halloween and Season 2 of Stranger Things. I know the worst thing that's ever happened here in the four years I've been working here. It was when an owl attacked Eleanor Gillespie's head because it thought that her hair was a nest. 99 out of 100 times, kid goes missing. The kid is with a parent or a relative. What about the other time? What? You said 99 out of 100. What about the other time? The one! A short Super Bowl promo gave us the Halloween date for the return of Stranger Things on Netflix, and it revealed a little bit. Looks like a big spider is going to eat the town, but that could have been a dream, or it could have been a big spider. We'll find out Halloween. That is the news from the couch. Cutting it a little bit early this week because we have lots to talk about this week. Up next, we want to get a little bit more into that teaser for Stranger Things 2 and just how insane the internet is going about it. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Something is coming. Something hungry for blood. What is it? The Demogorgon! We're deep Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes. That was from season one of the Netflix smash hit Stranger Things, a nostalgia trip that came out last summer about some kids on an adventure that's sort of like something from the Goonies or E.T. or Stephen King. The teaser for Stranger Things 2 arrived during the Super Bowl, as Jeff mentioned. It starts when? Halloween! So October 31st this year, I believe it falls on? Lots of excitement about this. Yeah, well, the kids are wearing Ghostbusters uniforms in the thing, so maybe it's Halloween on the show as well. Oh, yes. I would imagine. But those little nerdy kids, they might have just worn Ghostbusters to costumes at school for fun of it. <laughs> Either way, true. I got excited. I liked it. I was like, that's awesome. It was a 30-second commercial. and I Was, was it 30 ju- seconds even? I it, thought it was 15. Well, I think, well, we'll, we'll say Whatever. between 15 and 30 seconds. There was, I found a video that was 20 minutes long <laughs> about analysis and reaction really? on YouTube. That is insane. I saw a bunch of stuff like that and I didn't read any of it because I was like, come on. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? And you're wrong. The show, you know what I mean? Because it'll be something different once the show pops up. <laughs> Speculation. I will say, I, I think that, I still think people 
are getting. I mean, it's. I I enjoyed the show. I want to make it clear. I enjoyed season one of Stranger Things. But do you think the hype is more than the show deserves? I think it's overhyped, and I think part of the reason why it's so popular is because people have. They've just sort of fallen for the hype, yeah. Because it's cool to like Stranger right. Things and to express your love for it. And that's not to say if you loved it, great. But I think it was overrated. I think it was too long. I think they could have cut it down to and it was six only, hours, maybe four. And it was only eight episodes, right? Yeah. And I can't imagine the new one's going to be any less than that. It'll probably be more because it was so popular. I think one of the best things about Stranger Things was Winona Ryder at, was at the SAG Awards? That was amazing. I can watch that all day. Her reaction to David Harbour's really impassioned and sort of crazy speech. Yeah. And her bewildered expression, like, I don't know, made made everyone forget that she's a convicted shoplifter. <laughs> now when you think of her, you won't think of her stealing stuff. You'll think of her at the SAG Awards. Being crazy making at the faces. SAG Awards. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was almost like she was still in character because that was basically her character from the show. Except, yeah, louder on yeah, the show. That's true. But uh, Stranger Things 2, I'm excited. Don't get me wrong. I am excited. I liked the show and I hope that it is just a little bit tighter <clears throat> this season because I think they could have trimmed some of the fat and reduced it to six, maybe even four I'm episodes. I'm sho- also shocked they didn't do season two and three right back to back to back to back because they've got to crunch in as much as they can from those kids before they age out of it. You <laughs> know what I mean? That's true. They want to make sure that those kids are still kids. Yeah. Just got to very quickly mention this. My name is Eric Carter. Whatever you think you know about me, you don't. I know you're not as cool as Jack Bauer. 24 Legacy started this week, and if you've listened to the show over the years, you know that 24 is pretty much my favorite television show of all time. I loved it. Kiefer Sutherland as the counter-terrorist agent Jack Bauer, saving the world eight times over. This is sort of the reboot with a new actor Corey Hawkins, who has played Dr. Dre in Straight Outta Compton. And he's... How does he compare to Jack Bauer, Brett? Well, it's hard. I don't want to... I don't want to compare the two because it's a new story, new characters entirely. And he's cool. I mean, he's he's tough and he's strong and, and all that stuff, but he He's just not Jack Bauer. And right. I, I, I no longer, it, the show, I, I got hooked on the show because of its format, but ultimately I came to love it because of Jack Bauer. So to me, 24 without Jack Bauer is not 24. And I, I kind of just, it just felt like a cliched mess, but I will continue to watch it because it's 24. Up next, we'll quickly tell you what's coming to home video this upcoming week. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the show. That's what they call him, the UFO. I'm Brad, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes having a quick look at what is coming to home video this week. And Jeff, that was what? Best Picture nominee arrival? Correct. There and it go. is coming to Blu-ray, DVD, and on-demand formats. A couple of weeks ago it arrived on digital HD. Also on Blu-ray, DVD, and other on-demand formats. Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Yep. The Edge of Seventeen, that comedy with Haley Steinfeld right. and uh, Woody Harrelson. And Bleed for This, where Miles Teller plays a boxer. Based on a real life real story true story he's not Muhammad Ali is he he's not okay Uh, available on digital HD this week so formats like iTunes Doctor Strange you will die protecting this world Mr. Doctor Mr. Doctor it's strange maybe who am I to judge Mads Mikkelsen is the funniest actor alive, apparently. Doctor Strange was a really good 
time at the movies, so I, I think I might have it. to pick that up. You missed it? Yep. Well, you got to pick it up on, uh, well, uh, Digital HD this week. It'll be on Blu-ray, DVD, and on demand on February 28th. We'll just quickly mention as well, if you want a classic on Blu-ray, it came from outer space from 1953. That mm. is available on Blu-ray. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, I saw a bunch of movies this week. We're going to talk about two of them right now, and we're going to start with the Oscar nominee, Hidden Figures. Colonel Glenn launches in a few weeks. We don't have the math figured out yet. There's no protocol for women attending. There's no protocol for a man circling the earth either, sir. Every time we have a chance to get ahead, they move the finish line. I need to be in that room hearing what you hear. Within these walls, who makes the rules? You, sir, you are the boss. You just have to act like one, sir. Hidden Figures stars Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet, Mahershala Ali, Jim Parsons, Kirsten Dunst, and Kevin Costner. First up, Janelle Monet and Mahershala Ali play boyfriend and girlfriend in the movie Moonlight, which is also out, which is also nominated for a Best Picture. So they both have substantial roles in two Best Picture nominees. That's happened before with one actor. I've never heard of it with two actors in the same two movies in fairly major roles before. Whatever. Not the point. Just some interesting note that I... That's cool. I, I thought I was going crazy. I had no idea that Ollie was in that movie as well. Yeah, so. and I don't think it's going to come up, but I will say that a little girl in Hidden Figures is also a, a little girl in the movie Fences. Really? That's the same kid, and I was like, I thought I was going nuts. I was watching this Hidden Figures, like, what? Everyone is in another movie that... <laughs> What movie am I at right now? Exactly. Maybe that's why Michael Keaton got them confused and said Hidden Fences. <laughs> Hidden Figures is a movie about three African-American women who work for NASA in the early 60s, right when the space race is heating up. They were numbers nerds, and this is their story, which until now has been untold, and it's a pretty good story. There are a lot of parallels to other civil rights stories about the era. These women may work at NASA, but they still can't use the white people's bathroom or coffee maker or anything else. Kevin Costner is the boss of this particular piece of NASA, and he just wants the work to be done. He's preoccupied with chasing the Russians to get to space first. And if segregation laws interfere with that, then he's breaking the laws. He at one point utters the best line in any movie from last year, which is, at NASA, we all pee the same color. It was a bathroom joke. Uh, he's also cool with letting segregation laws stand if it doesn't interfere with the work, which is too bad, but probably more in line with the reality of the times and having him be some sort of golden god. At any rate, all these women have to all these women rather have to fight the man in one way or another. It's all pretty inspiring. The Octavia Spencer storyline with the IBM computer that suddenly arrives at NASA to make all their jobs obsolete is my favorite. But it really is Taraji B. Henson's movie. She's the main numbers lady who gets gets shipped into the head office where they figure out the math that has never been figured out before. And she deals with a lot of the office racial and sexual politics. She may be good at playing a devilish schemer on the show Empire, but she is just as good as a really nice, really smart NASA nerd. Everyone in the movie actually is really nice. I mean, as nice as silent racism can be, which isn't that nice, although they think they're being nice. The real antagonists, though, are the systems designed to oppress black people in a segregated society. And of course, being a space movie, the other antagonist, is the science. we got to figure this out, people, just like Apollo 13. In the end, it's kind of lighter fare compared to some of the heavier Oscar contenders, but I bet it's the movie a lot of people will like the most of the nine nominees. It's an uplifting, feel-good crowd-pleaser, and it does all of those things very well, so I give Hidden Figures four couch cushions out of five, and as Brett mentioned, Hidden Figures is not to be confused with the other movie I saw this week called Fences. (laughs) 
What you ever give me? Your feet, them bones, that pumping heart. You never done nothing but hold me back, afraid I was gonna be better than you. Everything that boy do, he do for you. It's not easy for me to admit that I've been standing in the same place for 18 years. Well, I've been standing with you. I got a life too. Don't you think I had dreams and hopes? What about my life? What about me? Some people build fences to keep people out, and other people build fences to keep people in. Fences stars Denzel Washington, Viola Davis, and McKelty Williamson. That's his name, right? Bubba from Forrest Gump. Yeah, you can't sure. Remember? Yeah, okay. He, I, I he was also on the new WKRP, but that has nothing to do with anything. There was a new WKRP briefly in the nineties. Oh my god! Yeah, maybe even the eighties. It was bad. Yuck. Anyways, Fences is based on a play for which both Washington and Davis won Tony Awards on Broadway. And boy, does it feel like a play. It is visually dull and unimaginative. It might as well have stayed a play. 98% of this movie is just characters sitting and talking to each other, either in the house or the backyard. I mean, the movie Moonlight is also based on a play, and it's the most visually arresting and expressive film of the year. So, I mean, it can be done turning a play into a movie. It doesn't mean you have to be boring about it just because it used to be a play. Nevertheless, Fences went that route. Washington, who also directed it, and Davis are a married couple in Pittsburgh in the 50s. He comes home from work with his friend and neighbor, and the three of them talk for 45 minutes. They go into the house and talk for 45 more minutes. Then time passes, another scene set in the house or the yard, more talking and talking and talking. There's very little plot, uh, or I mean, but there is a little bit. I will give them that. It's not like my dinner with Andre. Have you ever seen that? That's just two guys at a restaurant talking about nothing. The whole movie. Yeah. Wow. They talk in philosophy. Uh, but that also had a hypnotic quality that kept you engaged or something weird about my dinner with Andre. Most of the plot here, at least at the beginning, revolves around their son and whether he should play football or not. Dad says no, and make no mistake, in this house, when dad says no, that's what happens. So there's tension between the dad and the son, but there's tension between the dad and everyone. He's mad at the world for sort of the bum rap life gave him. He was a big baseball star back in the Negro Leagues years before, and he didn't make any money off it like the white ball players make, and he's got a chip on his shoulder that he can't shake about that. There's more plot later in the movie, but I don't want to spoil it. The saving grace of what would otherwise be a very dull affair is the acting. Washington plays this guy as a larger-than-life, almost cartoonish caricature, which probably worked great on Broadway. It doesn't make for a lot of realism here, but it still works somehow. He sort of has to be loud and bombastic to keep your attention because, like I said, it's mostly just conversations. Viola Davis, on the other hand, delivers a performance much more grounded in realism, and she'll bring you to tears. She is fantastic. Uh, she has one scene in particular, we heard a piece of it in the clip there, that It'll just shatter the audience, and I would say that she seems to be the best lock for an Oscar on Oscar night. Overall, though, the movie, sadly, is not that great. I'll give Fences three couch cushions out of five. Jeff Braun on his parade to watch all of the Oscar Best Picture nominees. Woo! Five down, four to go. Five down, four to go. He'll have two more in the bag next week, maybe three. Am I over? Yeah, you're, you're over I, maybe two. How about okay. that? All right. Maybe two. <laughs> Let's set the bar. We like to set the bar low here on the couch potatoes. Up next, I want to tell you about a couple of great murder mysteries, both of them set in, win- in winter, one of them made right here in Canada. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Back on January 25th, something unusual happened in our great country. Two Canadian networks launched six-episode miniseries on that same night. 
Wednesday, January 25th. One of them is from Global Television called Mary Kills People, about a woman who provides assisted suicide illegally. I reviewed the first episode. I liked it. The second show was on CTV, and I love it. It's called Cardinal. They found a body. It's not my department anymore. They think it might be her. I'm glad to be working on this with you. He stalked her. He picked his moment and he struck. And who does that? A repeater. So it's a murder mystery based on Canadian author Giles Blunt's book, 40 Words for Sorrow. Blunt has written a bunch of books in the John Cardinal series, and it has been outstanding so far. Three episodes in, it feels like a high-quality cable drama and makes no attempt to hide its Canadianness. Often I find shows that are made in Canada are not overtly Canadian. Mary Kills People, for example, watching that first episode. I don't actually recall anything that screamed, Oh, Canada. Now, I haven't watched the following two episodes yet, so maybe that changes. But Cardinal is very Canadian, right down to having the RCMP in it. One cop actually refers to them as horsemen. What's the horseman doing here? I've never heard that. I thought that was kind of cool. It's set in a a fictitious place called Algonquin Bay. The show is shot in and around North Bay and Sudbury in Ontario. Billy Campbell plays Cardinal. He's actually not Canadian. He's from Virginia. He was the Rocketeer. Remember the Rocketeer? Anyway, he's been in lots of stuff. He's excellent in this. His partner is named Lise Delorme, played by Karine Vanasse, who was born in Drummondville, Quebec. And while she normally plays someone from France, in this she gets to use her normal Quebec accent and she swears a lot in French. Almost too much as though they're patting themselves on the back for having a character who is so overtly French-Canadian in the show. Lots of gorgeous aerial photography and because the show is set in winter, the scenery is both beautiful but desolate. And while it has that gorgeous aerial photography and lots of gorgeous photography overall, I wish they would just hold the shot for more than three seconds because they often will try to cram in three consecutive scenery shots in under 10 seconds when I think they would be better off to have two longer shots or maybe even just one really long shot. Anyway, I did say the show is outstanding. I'm getting kind of nitpicky here. Uh, I re- am really enjoying this so far. Canadian-made shows often try to follow the American model for network TV, which is to say, not very challenging. They assume the viewer is not interested in complexity or something different. This is solid. I would put it up against anything coming out of the U.S. or around the world. If you haven't watched it, you can watch it on demand or you can watch it online, ctv.ca. Cardinal. It's distinctly Canadian. The second show I wanted to tell you about is on Netflix. It's also a murder mystery set in winter. It's called Trapped. Oh, yeah, it's from Iceland. Oh, I was going to say, was that the (laughs) chef from the Muppets? (laughs) It's from Iceland. And it's not a new show. It came out in 2015, I believe. It's part of what they call Nordic Noir. A lot of shows like The Bridge or The Killing, Now Trapped, these shows that are from that part of the world. And I don't even... 
How did I stumble upon Trapped? Oh yeah, a friend of mine said, I asked him, have you watched Broadchurch yet on Netflix? Right. And he says, it's on my list along with some other this other show called Trapped. And I looked it up and I watched it instantly hooked. It is an excellent murder mystery. And because it's set in winter, even though it's set in Iceland, it feels that's entirely relatable, right? Right, right. Because we're from because yeah. we're Canadian, so I liked that part. But it was also because the town is set sort of at the the bottom of this, like in this fjord. So they're completely surrounded by by mountains. That's pretty. Um, and there's a blizzard that that sort of locks everyone in. So they're trapped by the mountains. They're trapped by the blizzard. And there's a murder mystery. So it's just it's what really, else could you want? It's really good. It's thrilling. It's tragic. It's a whole roller coaster of emotions. It's beautifully shot. And unlike Cardinal, they actually hold the camera for a few seconds <laughs> when there is a really nice shot. Tons of gorgeous photography in this. How many seasons? It's only one so far. And Season two is coming, I think, okay. next year. Cool. And honestly, Broadchurch and Trapped are maybe my two favorite shows Possibly, I don't want to say ever, but they, they, they would be in my all-time favorites. So you can watch Trapped on Netflix. It's not entirely all in Icelandic. There is some, some of the dialogue is in English, but it's mostly in Icelandic. So if you can tolerate subtitles, which I have no problem with, you should watch Trapped. Just wrote it down. I made a note. It's on the list. Attaboy. Up next, Jeff wants to tell you about Triple X, the yeah. return of Xander Cage. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I actually saw a third movie this week. It's Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. We need someone who can walk into a tornado and come out the other side like it was a damn gentle breeze. Get on your knees! If you wanted me back, you could have just asked me. I watched Triple X because a podcast I like is about to do it as one of their movies, and it's a bad movie podcast. So a buddy and I thought, hey, why not? Let's go. And it was a lot of fun. Not in the way they intended, I'm sure. This movie is dumb. Dumb, 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 Brett. Vin Diesel plays a spy who is also into extreme sports. But like the first one from 15 years ago, neither of those two things really have anything to do with each other. They market it like they do, but if you watch closely, they really don't. So that's dumb. The spy plot is like any random James Bond movie, but worse. Yeah. He has to find a computer gizmo here that the bad guy has been using to drop satellites on people. Who cares? He also puts together a team of misfits that will come together to save the day. But outside of Ruby Rose's sharpshooter, it's hard to tell what the point of anyone else on the team is. One of them is, I swear to God, just a DJ who's fun to be around. So he's on the team. <laughs> Okay. The guy that plays the Hound on Game of Thrones is there. He's supposed to be comic relief, which is weird because Vin Diesel is also the comic relief. And he tells all these jokes. They're all bad dad jokes, but you can tell that he thinks they're funny. <laughs> and that is fun to watch. <clears throat> it's really weird how chipper Diesel is through the whole thing. It's quite different from his Fast and the Furious character who is always really serious, even when they're celebrating. So props to Diesel for his acting choices. His big fur coat also returns in this one, and I think it's even bigger and furrier than the original one. In one swing, <laughs> I swear to God, he turns his head to talk, and the fur on the collar gets in his mouth. That's how big it is. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, there was a character played by Donnie Yen, who was legitimately fun to watch fight. He's got some good moves. The rest of the action, pretty bland. I've never seen so many machine guns fire so many bullets. 
that didn't hit anything. So not a good movie, but because of all the unintentional funny and the general harmlessness of its dumbness, I would say watch it when you want to go see a good, bad movie. I'm not even going to give it a couch potato rating because it doesn't deserve one. Very good. It's a different monster altogether. All right. Up next, or next week rather, Jeff, I think is you're going to go see La La Land and Lion? I'll, I'll definitely see La La Land. How about that? Okay. Hopefully well, Lion. Next week, a La La Land review as Jeff gets caught up in the Best Picture nominees. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. This is 680 CJOB.